Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fucking ears? What's happening? Today on the show, Armando Iannucci. Yeah, that genius. Now, look, we recorded this in London on the day Liz Truss resigned as prime minister. It had just happened. So there was that energy going. But what a joy to talk to this guy. He's got the new season of his uh, HBO series, Avenue 5. But we talked about his early BBC radio stuff and television shows, his work with Steve Coogan, Veep, a lot more. Great talk, great guy. So look, folks, I, I, don't, I don't really know exactly how to explain this, but I'll tell the story. I can tell the story. I'm not, I have been in my life a mystical person. I have let my brain get away from me. At times I was in a, uh, a fairly severe drug-induced psychosis back in the day it took a long time to reel it back in but i try to wrangle my mind as much as possible it does wander you know predictable places and patterns usually not otherworldly just paranoid patterns just fears neurosis anxieties it'll make some random connections occasionally and try to make sense of things that are beyond my comprehension but i don't want to drift i don't want to be a conspiracy theorist i don't want to uh, you know, have delusional beliefs in things. I mean, I've been delusional before. I know what it feels like to lose your fucking mind. Okay, I know. But something happened in Ireland. Okay, something happened there. As many of you know, the last time I was there, I was with Lynn, Lynn Shelton. Uh, we both had some unexplained draw to the country some we both shared this weird connection to ireland that i certainly couldn't explain for myself but she couldn't explain either really we both loved it it held a magical space for both of us separately i mean be, before we knew each other it was actually something we found out uh, that we shared when we got to know each other we we just we both wanted to be there we wanted to spend time that we loved Ireland, it was magic to us. We had the exact same vibe about it. So the trip that we took there was after we went to the Hirhon Film Festival in Spain where they showed Sword of Trust. I was given Best Actor at the festival. It was very exciting. We were there for a few days. And then we went to Ireland. We had this big plan. She had, you know, she she had been there once before and stayed at this house that we were able to rent again. And we rented another place up in... Uh, where were we? County Donegal and, and some other place. 
but uh, we went, and it was for almost two weeks, and it was beautiful, and it was the first, and sadly, you know, now the only time that we really traveled together. It was the first time we were able to be a, a couple together out in the world on a vacation. It was the first and only time. And I knew that going back there would be tricky. In a way, it would be difficult. I knew I would feel her absence. I stayed at the same hotel we stayed at in Dublin. I have pictures of her there. There's this weird kind of uh, old style kind of bench in the elevator. And I have a picture of her laying down on it in the elevator with her hat and her signature hat and her green leather jacket, both of which I have. But I have pictures and I, I could see where I took the picture every day I was in that elevator. I could, I could see her absence. I took a picture of the bench where she sat, empty. I have both pictures now. Now, I've been to Ireland many times. I've played at Vicker Street a lot. I like the venue. I like the crowd almost always. Always. Why well, say almost? And they were great last Wednesday night when I was there. And something happened. Okay? So... As I, I made my way through the act, it was all going over great. I was getting laughs. I was riffing. It was great. Then I came to that part where I switched tones and, and go a bit deeper and talk about grief and talk about Lynn's passing and talk about my feelings around that. It's funny, but it's a shift. Now, toward the end of the main piece from that section, which describes in detail the day that she died... And I talk about visiting her at the hospital after she had passed. And when I was talking about that, the stage lights started to fluctuate. They started to go on and off, not strobing quickly, but like almost like, you know, waves of like, you know, they'd, they'd come on and then they go almost all the way dark and then come on and almost go all the way dark, like fluctuating, going on and off. Right at the time I was talking about her being dead. I mean, it was jarring. It was, it was beyond understanding. And it was one of those moments where the audience felt it, I felt it. And it was just happening as I was talking about her dying. And it kept happening for like five minutes. So in the moment, I said, hey, Lynn, hi, baby. And my eyes started, you know, tearing up and the, the audience was emotional. I could see they were emotional. It eventually stopped, but it was it was pretty fucking intense and pretty unexplainable. And when I got off stage, the lighting person said that it had never happened before. It was not something that happened. So I'm, I'm sort of sitting with that, you know, and I go back to my hotel room and I walked in, I swear to you, I turned on the lamp on the desk and the bulb fizzled out. I turned it on. It was like, and it just fizzled out. And I was like, oh my fucking God. And I said, okay, Lynn, I miss you too. I'm glad you're here. You wanted to be here. I mean, I had to invest these moments with the mystical meaning they commanded, didn't I? I mean, I had to look at them as good magic. I had to believe she was, you know, just saying hello, just sharing her presence with me. 
I have to believe that. I, I could just write it off as, that was weird. But why? Why not believe it? That's where she resides now. Ireland. That's where she wanted to be. And, and that is where she is. Why not? Why the fuck not? Right? And they, they demand to be contextualized in a way that we may not want to do it. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it be. I'm going to let it be. A couple other things I wanted to throw out there. Uh, a parade of termites um, with wings and without wings of all sizes uh, was uh, making its way across my bathroom ceiling. The two times this month. In the morning, they're all gone. I even think they collect their dead. What does that mean? I mean, I gotta get a guy. I gotta get a guy over here. But are, are they here? Are they eating my house? Or are they moving on? Is this just an exercise? Is it a a military exercise? Help me out. The other thing, Drew Friedman has a new book out. Uh, Mavericks and Lunatics: Icons of Underground Comics. These are portraits of all the uh, wizards and geniuses that have made underground comics for the last however long they've been around. Uh, it's quite a beautiful book. If you're a fan of Drew, uh, it's amazing. And if you're a fan of underground comics, they're just great, the pictures. Just great. Everyone's in here. Everyone's in here. If you're an underground comic person, they're all in here. And half the reason I'm pushing it is because I wrote the forward. I wrote the filthy forward for the filthy underground comics book that... Uh, introduced my brain to filth and blew my mind when I was 12 years old. So very proud of that forward. And uh, I was also very excited to uh, hear from Drew. Drew emailed me to remind me to maybe plug the thing, but he said, hey, Mark, everyone loves your forward to the Underground Comics book. Every day I get raves about it. Crumb wrote and told me it was pitch perfect. There you go. Our Crumb enjoyed my introduction that makes me very happy I, I i've never been able to talk to that guy you know that guy's responsible for about half of my disturbed psyche or maybe a third laying the groundwork outside of the parents with all that faulty wiring and all that selfish insanity you know when i'm 12 years old you know underground comics i'm like oh i want this to be my parents and look where i am this is who i am i blame underground comics and my parents and you know, but there's some there's some good stuff about both of those things. The book is called Mavericks and Lunatics, Icons of Underground Comics, Drew Friedman, forward by Mark Marin. It's got a uh, whacked out R. Crumb on the cover. Is it possible that this entire new trend of Kanye-generated anti-Semitism is just his profound jealousy of the size of a comic's cock? Is it possible that the realization or the information or what has been reported that when Kanye found out that Pete Davidson has a 10-inch cock, that he lost his mind and now anti-Semitism has increased noticeably because of a clown's cock? I guess it's always a clown's cock that causes the problems, isn't it? But look, you guys, enough about that. Armando Iannucci 
Uh, the current season of Avenue 5 is airing on HBO. New episodes airing on Monday nights. All previous episodes are streaming on HBO Max. And again, this conversation happened in London on the day Liz Truss stepped down as prime minister. Within hours of that happening. This is me uh, talking to Armando Anucci. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcast. So wait, so now we might as well put a time okay, marker yes. on this that the <laughs> Prime Minister has resigned after just what, six weeks? Six weeks and just two minutes before we've started talking. Now, are uh, you, because of your position yeah. <laughs> in British culture as somebody who understands... So there's actually no constitutional uh, role that I fulfill. Uh, but we don't have a written constitution. Right. So, but, but traditionally, yeah. I'm seen as the one who comedically... <laughs> Can understand. Completely understands and indeed some would sometimes yeah. comment. Yeah, interpret. Please, so, please. sometimes uproariously satirize what's going on. As, uh, does that get more difficult as it becomes? Absolutely. It's I mean, fucking impossible. Yeah. Only because they are, I mean, they're, 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 they're walking, talking jokes in yeah. themselves. You yeah, know? shamelessly. Absolutely I, shamelessly. I, I, yeah. I don't understand how they don't. Do they know that? Do you, like that's what I, that I. I mean, the great theory, the great question people ask about someone like Boris Johnson is: Does he know? Is he doing this deliberately? Is it all part of a Machiavellian act to be all sort of right? Ah, yeah, oh gosh, gosh, ah, yeah. Yeah, he's you know. a performance artist. I, I, I think part of him knows that, but also yeah. I think part of him is going: I don't know what to do or say, so I'll just do this for a bit until right. I can think of something. But the shamelessness around mm. positions and doubling down on, on completely unpopular, sometimes racist positions. Yeah, I, I have to assume after a certain point you 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 have to believe that they believe that i think they believe that their supporters will support it but so, so it's still a, a hustle I, but yeah oh absolutely yeah, yeah yes yeah. because liz truss came in saying she was going to do x y and z and then when she did it yeah. it was terrible <laughs> so suddenly she said i'm going to do one two and three instead uh, as Scrambling. if that, uh, as if that was all her Right. Always her position. Oh, yeah. The, this is just you know. phase two. Yeah. The, the, yeah. <laughs> this is, you know, I've got a 50 year plan here. So really what you're seeing at the moment is oh. just the, the antechamber yeah. to the hot, <laughs> to the room of horrors right. that are wait. And I think also they get kind of, they forget that the people who are voting for them is not everyone you yeah. know, it's right. just a, an assortment of very, very odd people. Right. Yeah. You know, and and so they speak to that assortment of odd people, thinking 
everyone must be like that. So if I keep on talking to them. Right, but then they get the press yeah. that, that brings in and maybe uh, sort of radicalizes new odd, yes. odd sorted people. Oh, yes, yes. And, 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 and they, they find a voice of confidence. Yes, yes, and, that's and right. And the yeah. hustle continues. But the press, you know, our great British press, yeah. 12 days ago was saying, Liz Truss is fantastic. Her budget is the best budget I've seen in years yeah. to today, which is fuck off. <laughs> Fuck right off, Liz Truss. Liz, fuck. You know, it's that. It's that they have no shame either. And, and no, uh, no shame. No, no principles. No. So no, no one has any principles. No one has any principles. So, I mean, I Which think- is a point I'll be exploring as we talk. No, and nobody has. I mean, they don't. They don't. I think they have the principles beaten out of them just to kind of last another well, week. Well, doesn't it make you, know? you a question? Like, I mean, with... <laughs> I'm I, so glad we've got straight into it and we haven't yeah. done any small talk. That's great. No, I don't no. know. Yeah, it, it's good for me. <laughs> yeah. Because it seems like it's complicated to me here. I, I can yeah, barely yeah, yeah. You know, keep hold of whatever the fuck is going on in my country. Yeah, yeah. But I think what we learned and I think what you see and what, you know, Veep sort of represents is that uh, you know, they've always been sort of craven. There, I, I don't know that there's ever been a, a, a civil servant uh-huh. Uh, in recent memory that that had any success because they wanted to represent their constituents fairly yeah it's all yeah. some sort of weird corporate sellout it's a sort of you know to get to the higher up and yeah. kind of the, the greasy pole as it were yeah you have to kind of make compromises to your own principles Until, and, and, and there's part of you that says but once i'm there yeah you know all those principles will come flooding back yeah but of course it's taking you so long to get there right you don't know what the principles are that you've compromised in fact you've forgotten most of them. yeah even if they, yeah. in the, the original ones might have been a posture it, it might oh, absolutely yes yeah, yeah. yeah i went into politics to do x yeah you know, yeah and, and know, they didn't know i didn't know yeah, that yeah they're 25 years old just, I just wanted of, to get some money from a lobby firm and <laughs> and you know some oil money would be good I, you know there, <laughs> as time goes on you i believe that that's because I don't know who would want to do it. That's you the other either, thing. It's a self-selecting thing, and it just selects. Yeah, you all either have to be like an autocratic fuckwad, yeah. yeah. or somebody who's sort of like, well, this is my grift. This is my hustle. You yeah. know, I yeah. can I can run yeah. money through me. And in the UK, it's people who they never watch television, so they, yeah. they just think television is the news. Yeah, and occasionally. <laughs> Occasionally, you know, their young advisor would say, oh, don't forget, put in a Game of Thrones reference here in your speech or a Strictly Come Dance, you know, just so, but fundamentally, they just watch the news. And well, if it looks like the news, it's the news. I might, you know, yeah. my father watches, you know, he doesn't know if it, there was a guy exactly. sitting at a desk yeah. saying Jews are horrible. As a Jew, he'll be like, none of this guy seems to know what he's talking about. You know. <laughs> I think Liz Trust. She's got. She's gone out and she's resigned. She's probably yeah. gone in now and it's just said, "Did you see me on the news? <laughs> Did you see me? I'm ringing my mum. Did yeah. you see me? Yeah, yeah. I was on the news. <laughs> I know. Stop yeah. shouting at me. Uh, Why are you crying? <laughs> Why are you crying? That's <laughs> no, that's just, just abuse. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, yeah. So they're very self-selecting and. I mean, when I did research on Veep and on Think of It, it was like I, I would meet these like twelve-year-olds who, yeah. who had degrees in terrorism studies from yeah, Georgetown yeah. University, yeah, yeah. and who were kind of basically telling a senator what the country's energy policy should be. And right. Think, but how do you know you're only you know right. they, they were only like twenty-one, twenty-two. Some of them, when we were doing it in the loop, uh, some of them had gone out to Iraq to help set up the constitution. So these are these are just whiz kid wonks, yeah. from uh, yeah. uh, you know straight out of maybe a graduate program, That's political right. science yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, they don't know what life is. No, but thank they, God somebody knows what policy is. Well, it, but it's like they get off on policy. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. they call it product. Okay, yeah. In, Do they in really? Washington? They call yeah. it product. 
Yeah, there's there was some very nice product from that think tank on um, energy caps. Very nice. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just a weird. It's a weird kind of like uh, I don't know what the equivalent is. It's it's a it's an obsession with one thing. Which they treat like a kind of hobby or a pastime. Like, so it's you know, like a nerdism. Well, like you'd organize you know, for a quiz night or something. Yeah, like yeah. Game night or something. Right. Except it's running the country. You or know, the world, it's, yeah. It's, it's people's lives. But yeah. you don't quite get that. They just think if I did this, if I sat down and made this equation on a piece of paper. Yeah, I'm not sure any of them would, get it anymore. That no. that, that it, it has uh, real implications in the world. Or else they're just willing to sort of see it as part of, part of their bottom line. That, uh, yeah, well, we're going to lose a few. You, you know, yeah, that yeah, there's yeah, that yeah. sort of yeah. like corporate think of like, you know, what's more cost efficient to uh, recall the car or just take the hit? <laughs> take the hit. <laughs> 500 people will slam into a wall because yeah. of the faulty. Right. And we can afford the faulty steering system. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a big country, 500 people. That's, you know, it's, we it's can all, write that off. Yeah. I, I, I deal with <laughs> four of our space shuttles will at some point. <laughs> blow up crash yeah yeah <laughs> into the moon but you know fundamentally <laughs> yeah yeah I, every day for me is a, is a struggle with you know my own discomfort and then you know i i look at the macro you know global discomfort know, and it's I just a, a navigating you know how does uh how does humor how is it going you know what am i do if you don't feel like you're some facilitator yeah of uh of of changing minds somehow yeah, yeah. Uh, then you're just a, a fucking clown. Well, so, <laughs> I know who's helping people avoid. You know the. Uh, you're like the person if, if a couple are having a very serious conversation and then yeah. someone comes up to them with a violin and you just think, just please, not now, please, <laughs> just yeah, exactly. Here, just here's some money. Go and play to them over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we already know it's sad, <laughs> but we're trying to sort something out here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I deal yeah. with that. It's like no, I know. A, I, whenever I think of like a new subject that yeah. I think, oh, that would be a, a film or a TV show, right? I, I don't automatically think, and it's a comedy. <laughs> No, you know what I mean, I have to think: is it a comedy? Or I is mean, it actually... well, how did you get to space? Let's start at at, at, at the current situation. <laughs> yes, yes. How, did, how did you end up? Space. Like, well, space seems good. Space seems. I've always been a sci-fi fan. You have, and uh, uh, like, I, I, Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke. And yeah, H. G. Wells. And I loved the. There was a reboot of. Um, Battlestar Galactica that I really liked. Actually. Yeah, but it was. A, but then because they made it about politics and just you know hierarchies of power and, and so on. You know, it didn't have aliens. It had the silence. Sure, sure, yeah. But it did, there was no magic involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know? And I kind of like that hard sci-fi. Sure, yeah, as, yeah, yeah. You know? The kind that seemed like, oh, this is sort of yeah, possible. Exactly. Yeah. And most sci-fi, people who write sci-fi will tell you, it's really about today. It's not about the future. It's sure. Not, it's, it's about, it's just taking some aspect of today and cranking up. And I thought it would be interesting to, I was really more interested in, Groupthink and you know leadership and false leadership and oh, right. conspiracy and right. isolation. Hugh Laurie's character exactly. not being yeah. So I thought let's think of an isolated. And I thought space. Okay, what about big cruise? You know, sure. space tourism was beginning to. You know, it was the height yeah. of uh, Branson and Musk and not Musk. Um, yeah, Musk and um, Bezos. Bezos. Yeah. All kind of out trying yeah. to out yeah. launch each other. Who the fuck is going to go to space? I, I know. I mean, I know. like even if you can. It looks terrible. Well, I, I can I can yeah. barely handle you, you know uh, uh, going to England. <laughs> I mean, only because I'm so dug in. Like, all oh, right, I see. You know, I, it's yeah. like any sort, anything yeah. that's mildly different. Yes. I have to deal with the adaptation. Yes. 
I, I, what I can't is the whole Mars thing. I, I can't, you know, oh, the planet is dying. You know, yeah, we, we need to move. Oh, let's go to a radioactive airless ball. Yeah. Where there's, see, <laughs> see if we can make that make it where seal nothing. seal the bubble properly. Yeah, yeah. You know why? Why don't we just like put all those resources into sorting the planet out here before we move to this? Because these guys who are thinking this dump, stuff, this it's, radioactive it's, dump, they believe in they 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 know how to make money, and yeah. their belief systems are you're bankrupt or ridiculous or childish. The thing we said to Josh Gad about yeah. Judd that we both saying to each other is that. His, his character, he was probably got one thing right, which is holidays. Yeah. And as a result, he therefore thinks, I can do anything. And that's that's the, you know, we have Richard Branson here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We went, I remember for the research for Avenue 5, I went round Virgin Galactic in the, their office, uh, their offices, they their headquarters. You, they just let you, like, take uh, a look? No, I applied and I said, I'm doing a show about yeah. space tourism. Would it be possible to see, you know, I won't yeah. take photos, but I just love to get a few. Have you met Branson? No, I no. haven't, no. He wasn't there. Yeah. But um, but they showed us around and it was like a kind of organized. There were five or six other people who'd all similarly asked to see it for various reasons. So there yeah. was a group of us. The guy was taking us round. And and I remember someone in the group asking very specific questions. Because yeah. the, the guy showing us around was saying, you know, the idea is and then you shoot up, you you hit that point where you're <laughs> gravity free, you've got about three minutes, four minutes floating around, you can take your pictures, you can get your set. And she said, Oh, won't in those three minutes Will people have been trained how to orientate themselves in, in gravity? No, no, no. We want them to experience this firsthand. And she said, okay, I think the bulk of those three minutes are going to be spent with them just trying to get the right way up, being a bit confused and, possibly, and possibly vomiting. Yeah. And he kind of like his eyes just wide and went, oh, uh, well, I'm sure it'll be fine. And she turned to me and said, I don't think it's going to work. And she and at the end of it, she gave me her card. Yeah. She was an astronaut. She'd been on the space shuttle. She'd, died. She'd been on the space station. Yeah. You know, she knew what she was talking about. Well, and then, it, do you remember when Richard Branson went up? Yeah. It's really funny. Try and dig the footage out. Yeah. Because when he went up, as everyone else is untethering themselves and floating around, you could see him desperately trying not to throw up. Yeah. So he suddenly stopped speaking. So he did his prepared kind of, what a glorious venture. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. For like a minute. Yeah. And then he came back down. Well, and he hasn't talked about it since. Oh, really? No, I've never heard. Well, that's a, it's sort of like the, these, the people that you're talking to, these are yeah. the, the publicists. These are the... the 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 uh, uh, what do you call them? The these are the people that represent the company company to yeah. talk it up, yeah. and and they they sort of improvise in the same way politicians do. Oh yeah, yeah. So the first person we came met at, at Galactic, she came out and introduced us and said, "Hello everyone. Yeah. My name is X, and I'm a Jedi. I a like Jedi? to try in, instill Jedi uh, attitudes yeah. uh, in the workforce." Yeah. We're all looking at it. Goes, did she just say Jedi? Jedi? <laughs> did she? It doesn't exist. It's it's a fiction. It's Star Wars is not real. Oh my god! It's, it's sort of all the same thing. It's and all the same. It's thing. like is yeah. a, you know once you get past the the actual architects and engineers. Yes, of things, they were great. Right. It's the just engineers. a bunch of bullshit artists. Yeah. The best talking of which the be, uh, jet uh, the jet propulsion laboratory in Pasadena. Yeah. That was proper. That was engineers. That was problem. Those, that's old time shit. They, Those, that, that was those guys like, are making rockets for a long time, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. So they know, you know, give me yeah. a problem. How can we get something up yeah. round Saturn and back over here yeah. and down there yeah. and, yeah. you know, limited yeah. amount of weight. And right. They're not, they're not worrying about like, how do food trays stay no, down? No. On the and it was to them I said, 
what about long, you know, voyages to Mars and so on? How do you cope with the radioactivity? Yeah. And they said human waste. Human waste is a very good absorber of radioactivity. So those ships, once we go to like Mars and so on, they will be coated. They will be with a a, a, a line, a lining of of compacted human Shit. matter. Yeah. And uh, so, 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 so just, the, that's that's going to be part of it. Like you know, yeah. anyone's on the show. Is, yeah. is that? Did you cover that? So in, we covered that in season one. Yes, there's a this episode. A, oh, there's a puncture in the. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah, the yeah. wetsuit they call it, and shit is flying out, and so Q Laurie has to go out and seal the, <laughs> yeah. the uh, the the pipe. Otherwise, they'll all die. Well, yeah. that's the interesting thing about. I think science fiction and, yeah. and smart science fiction yeah. is that like, because like if for me, like even going back to your earlier TV stuff, it seemed like everything was grounded really in, in either, you know, modes of reality that yeah. we understand, yeah. you know, genres we understand or just regular life. Yeah. Right. So you're drawing whatever sort of humor, whether it's absurd or not, you know, from something that we've all sort yeah. of experienced. So now yeah. you're kind of untethered yeah. in space. Yeah. But you know that you've done all this research. So like if anyone questions you yeah. like about the shit thing, yeah. you know, you can sort of like, well, you have to understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we had an episode in the first season where they shoot a coffin out, but not with enough force for it to get away from the ship so it curves back and just orbits the ship. And I got a tweet from the science consultant on Star Trek saying, Yeah, yeah I stayed up through the night working it out. Yeah, it works out. It, did. it works out, yeah. I did the math. Yeah. <laughs> That would and work. you were like, yes, <laughs> yes, sir. He's, he's our audience. He's the only one That's trying the one. to please. No one's uh, going to call me out for not doing my homework. Yeah. yeah. And do uh, do you find, like, in terms of, like, the way your brain works, I mean, I, I imagine this is more liberating than almost anything, is it? Because it's space, right? It's space, but it's kind of grounded in, oh, yeah, yeah, like, the you know, behavior. hierarchy. It's about yeah, behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, Deep fakery, yeah, yeah, all sorts of things. Uh, do, is there a big reveal at the end of the second season where they're not in space? <laughs> no, that's you. You know the one in the first season where the passengers went out the airlock saying it's not real; it's a game yeah. show, <laughs> and just kept going. Uh, <laughs> um, no, there's various other things happen, but um, but the deep fakery and in the second season. We've got a TV version, a dramatization of pe- what people think might be happening on yeah. the real ship. Oh, okay. Which, in fact, becomes more, I think, it becomes more popular than the actual <laughs> ship. And, and therefore, people on the ship have to start behaving like how they're represented on the glamorized the, TV version. That's happening stuff, on Earth. That's happening on Earth. And, and that's well, that's, of, well, that's that sort, sort of. Uh, that, that head fuck. Yeah. Well, that's a, it, it's uh, is the word. I don't know if it's prescient, but I mean, in the, in the same wor- way that uh, I think that a good majority of intelligent people uh, began to understand politics by watching Veep. Right. Is that, yeah. you, you know, most people, you know what I mean? Right in the golden age when politicians and, and things sort of worked. Yeah. In a, but, but even objectively, I, I, I yes. find that most people don't understand anything, you know, and, yeah. And, yeah. and their grasp on, on how government works is is limited. So I think, I mean, to be serious for that, I think we, I, I think the media does a very bad job of explaining how democracy works. They, I, I think don't they think just any, assume the schools, everybody, yeah. there's no, you, you know, I don't, I didn't really learn it. No. It was probably my fault. But I think, I no, I think people just are told that's what it is. They don't know anything. They, you um, talk to regular people and they're like, I don't know what's going on. It's boring. Yeah. It's, it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> And then when you see the people involved in it, you're like, well, yeah. of course they're getting away yeah. with the 
uh, sort of like because uh, you're all going ah whatever. Yeah, they're dig- fascism is digging in because yeah. they've been there's a diligence to it. Yeah. For like 30 some odd years. The thing about fact, I've got to be careful what I say here because yeah. it could be construed as controversial. But the thing about fascism mm. is it's very, very clear. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know I mean? Sure. It's it's people going. It's satisfying. I'll tell you what's wrong. Those people are wrong. Yeah. We should get rid of them. These people are right. We yeah. should have them in power forever. Yeah. Are you with me? Right. You know, sure. And these people <laughs> shouldn't be able to say anything if no, they're going to they live here. They should say nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, and it, especially. They shouldn't be allowed to tell me what I can't say. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm going to stop them from yeah. saying that. It, that feels yeah. good just saying it, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but that's I might run. I might run. Yeah. But th- I mean, that is yeah. why it's appealing. It yes. simplifies everything. And democracy is complicated. You yeah. Know, because and, different and opinions. Because of tolerance. It, it For tolerance is complicated because yes. it allows different opinions and different sure. nuances of it. And you have, to, you have to respect the yeah. majority. Yeah. No matter how much it hurts. Exactly. And what we're losing is that sense of nuance and tolerance. That's right. Once tolerance goes, there's no no lubricant for democracy. No. No. It's just like there's just a a clash. Yeah. And tolerance is like they're just shameless. That's what doubling down on bullshit. It wears down people, especially fragile people, vulnerable people. Tell me, are half the people who are saying uh, the election was stolen and there was no insurrection on January the 6th? Do they actually believe that? Well, that's what I was asking you at the beginning. I, th- I think yeah. that, like, w- whether if they don't believe it, they believe that, you, you know, minority rules should exist by any means necessary. Yes. And they're just not willing to either put that together for themselves or say it. That that if they believe that, that you know, the propaganda is this was not an insurrection yeah. and uh, the election was clearly stolen, if they've got that locked into their head... <laughs> <laughs> the FBI was just playing the tape backwards. It was, oh, yeah, it was but, actually people leaving. But the because Senate. there's, there's no, right, because there's no. <laughs> and all, what's happened? Uh, reminds me of a joke that this guy, Chris Kelly, wrote about walking through the Holocaust uh, Museum backwards. And, you know, it, it just, the, the end of the joke is like, and then Hitler built these factories that manufactured Jews. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is a brilliant joke. But. But the yeah. uh, uh, oh well, yeah. I mean, I don't know whether they believe it or not, but they believe in the cause of fuck everybody. Oh yeah, and there's not. Yes. They, they have no uh, barometer for for journalistic integrity, and so they know going, that they're hoovering up people who are just genuinely disenchanted because and know, morons they're out of a job or well, I think we've got to be careful about saying that. No, I'm, I'm I'll, separate are, I'll separate them. I'll separate them. I'm saying there's a, a large contingent of brain-fucked morons who are willing to believe QAnon and believe anything because they're, they're not grounded in the capacity yes. for rational thought. But that movement thought. relies on a, a larger group of people who are just who angry yes. and yes. are they're not the morons. They're and just, are just yeah. you know, sure. have tried everything else and it hasn't worked. What do we do now? They want to feel that their anger yeah. is satisfied somehow. Yes. And if it's by, you know, Putting Mexicans on trucks yes. or planes and sending them to liberal cities and getting a laugh. But I was I was reading a terrifying thing today oh, about good. Bannon trying to get a constitutional convention going. Apparently, apparently you can rewrite your. The, everyone thinks re, ad, amending the U.S. Constitution has to be done two thirds of the Senate, and yeah. the House, and then yeah. two thirds of states. Yeah. There's another way, apparently, which is to have a constitutional convention, which could just rewrite it. And it just needs two thirds of states to agree to I just, that. These fuckers who are just you know. like all they do is sit around. These are the the, yes. the sort of more malignant adults of the kids that you were talking about that are these mm. political mm. nerds, yeah, yeah, or some of the kids even yeah. who are, who are yeah. going that way who are looking for these loopholes that nobody yeah. ever thought to deal with, yeah. you know, to undermine democracy. Yeah, yeah. exciting stuff. 
<laughs> so, and that's all in season two of Avenue Five. Um, <laughs> but so, did you? Were you always uh, politically critical in the comedy? Like from the, I was always, I was always interested in politics. From a you kind come of from it? nerdish. Well, only in that I, my father left Italy in 1950. Uh, but as I, as I, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old, he wrote for an anti-fascist newspaper and he became a partisan during the war. Uh-huh. So he fought against the fascists and Mussolini. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Came to Britain, you know, for work, but also it was, you know. To get out? The democracy. and I can't, It's weird to, under, um, to understand, like, you know, what it must have felt like. I've been watching stuff. Yeah, I'm watching this Ken Burns. Oh yeah, about yeah, Holocaust. The, the Holocaust, yes. the American, the American, yeah, you know what's yeah. going on here and how. Yeah, it's not dissimilar. Yeah, to it was even more anti-immigrant then. You know, the like you know FDR couldn't even deal with the State Department because they were like yeah. no. But I also watch. Uh, well, you had, there was a law at some point in the early 20th century to to expel Chinese people. Yeah, all, all of them. They were just. When it, yeah. it was totally isolationist. Yeah. 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 But I don't know, like, did you talk to your father about what the feeling was like? When- a, a little bit. I mean, he was always a bit, and also he, he died when I was only about 16, 17, so I never oh. got that chance to have that. And this was in bigger. Scotland? This was in Scotland, yeah. Um, but I, I was always aware of, my God, somebody actually put his life on the line yeah. for democracy. You right. know? And we take it for granted here. So yeah. I've always been interested, always loved, you know, being drawn to the drama of American politics. You yeah. know? I would strangely stay up. Yeah. Very late into the the British night to watch U.S. Really? election more so because when I watch Parliament, I'm like, yeah. "Holy shit, yes. that's exciting!" Yes, I don't know what's going on, but you wow. should do that. Wouldn't it be great if your president <laughs> had to go down to the Senate every Wednesday <laughs> and yell at people <laughs> and, and have take questions from all of them? Oh, yeah. So it, it always yeah. seems so lit up. I know. And when you see C-SPAN of our Senate, then <laughs> half of them are gone. I know. <laughs> It's, I don't know how anything hilarious. gets in. Yeah. So um, you had a fascination. Yeah. So it's starting with what administration? Uh, let's see. So I grew up, and the, the earliest one I can remember is probably Edward Heath, who was conservative Edward Heath, and then became Harold Wilson, James Here, Callahan. yeah. What about American? Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> administration, yeah. I was already thinking. It's yeah. a weird name for <laughs> what we call our government. So that must have been what tail end of Nixon, oh, and wow. the Nixon okay. resignation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can just about remember the Nixon resignation. I can resignation. remember it a little yeah. bit. How old are you? I'm 58, probably 59. I'm 59. By the time this goes out, actually, yeah. it's quite soon. Oh, yeah. So, I just turned 59. Oh, so, right. yeah. So, I, as a kid, yes. so right I kind Nixon. of remember yeah. the sweaty Nixon. Tail end of Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing the Last body chopper count. out of, yep. yeah. you know. Yeah. And then Jimmy Carter coming in, who was going to turn the whole thing around. Yeah. And uh, uh, and didn't. I <laughs> didn't. Uh, but gave us a pause, gave us a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little yeah. bit of a break. And, you know, has done quite well as an ex-president. Sure. Out of all of them. I but sometimes you just need a break. Yes. You know, and we're having a break now, a yes. little bit. It's just sort of like, let's regroup yes. and relax we're, and see what happens. As we're recording this, we're in a prog- progressive process of electing, or the party is electing so the is next gonna, prime minister. What's that gonna, is that going to happen today or tomorrow? I think that's going to be in the next five or six days. Do you know who's in the... No. I think everyone's thinking, do I want this? Because yeah, they're yeah. going to get absolutely stuffed in two years' Well, time. that's that's so, the fucking problem with all of it. It's yeah. like, who the fuck wants to who do this? Who wants these? to do it? You're only going to be left with so, grifters and lunatics. Exactly. So you get the weirdest person of imaginable course. who's going to do it. So, convinced uh, that they're going to be able to turn it all around. Or just want you know, just want the attention. Or oh, seriously, we might get Boris Johnson again. Is that possible? It is possible, yes. He's still an MP, so he can still stand. Uh, so, you know, what's yeah. that going to be like? I don't know. I have no idea what happened here. I don't know if people are happy. Are they happy? What is the consent? No, 
Everyone is furious, mm. absolutely furious, because everyone's hurting. You know, the cost of living's gone through the roof. What Liz Truss and her budget did, and that put the interest rates up here so bad yeah. that people's it's mortgages... Are, that quickly? Yes, six weeks? absolutely. Yes, yes, because it was awful. Yeah. And the markets just thought, what the hell are you doing? You're yeah. borrowing money to pay for tax cuts at a time when nobody has any money. Yeah. Uh, and that just... So, and that... Um, That's very that American. pushed the interest rates up. Yeah. So the money she was borrowing yeah. was actually borrowing at a higher rate of interest. Mm. So it just became this loop. It became yeah. like a feedback loop. Um, well, I think you're fortunate in that there's a it's it's a smaller country and a little yeah. more intimate, and and uh, it seems like more of the population is somewhat engaged with the process than than my country. Yes, and and everyone is not too far from the sea that they can walk into when yeah. things get worse. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's yeah. made that little. What? journey on their app sure. worked it out yeah i'm about an hour from the sea yeah, yeah. i'll yeah. just see how it goes well yeah as long as it's voluntary <laughs> I'll give it another and, week and yeah, then yeah <laughs> off i go off i go <laughs> so in when you yeah. were growing up was uh yeah. were in where did now did, did you speak italian no my parents spoke italian to each other yeah and they brought us up just speaking english i think partly because they wanted us to feel mm-hmm. you know fully integrated right partly worked, huh? also because it gave them something to talk about private sure, sure. like money yeah. and stuff you know yeah yeah um, my grandparents re- used to do that with yiddish right yes yeah, yeah but did you did you hear yiddish spoken no in your no it's no, it my grandparents it my parents, parents yeah. my parents uh, no they didn't because i having heard it you know i I took it at school that came quite quickly. Yeah. I think because I was used to hearing the rhythm. Oh, yeah. Song oh, yeah, and, yeah. I and bet. all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but was comedy so part of your life? Yeah. Radio comedy specifically. See, that's what's so interesting. Just the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy had just come on. And that was just like, I just thought, oh. Through the BBC? Through the BBC, yeah, as a radio show. Isn't that why? Like, yeah. I was thinking about this today in terms of approaching the, you know your kind of creative evolution is that, you, you know, radio. In America, you know, it was just what led to television. Yeah. Whereas it stayed vital yeah. in the UK forever. Yeah. It still is. It still is. I mean, you know, a lot of careers have grown up. Comedy careers have started in radio. Here. Here. But in, yeah. in, 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 in that generation in America was no. like the 40s. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You no, it's still it's still crucial. Um, and, so yeah, the Hitchhiker's, and, and Hitchhiker's Guide, Guide was because you thought, oh, it's not just jokes. Comedy isn't just jokes. Yeah. Right. Or sketches. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. story and it's ideas. Yeah. You know, and you can make them funny. And, you can and, come up with a funny idea. And radio, it, the yeah. space is someone's the imagination. Mind. Yeah. yeah, imagination. And you, you know. can do so much exactly. more. Yeah. It's so, so I grew up listening to all these shows. Like what other one? Uh, there was a thing, there's a news quiz, which is just a quiz of the week. Sure. And, you know, there was a show called The Burkis Way, which was like another surreal sketch show that just played with the form a lot. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, so I was a bit of a, a, a and then, you know, at, at, at school and at university, I would perform and write comedy and, and stand up or sketch a little bit of ca- more stand up character rather than stand up, okay. you know? Yeah. Like, um, you know, <laughs> do you remember your characters? Uh, <laughs> I like characters. I had this slightly disturbed comedian called Ken theft yeah. who spoke very slowly yeah. and I mean, it, it, he did lots of visual stuff. He he called himself an impressionist, yeah. an impersonator. Yeah. But he would do like capital letters of the alphabet, <laughs> and he'd get. And so, uh, now right, this right. next one requires a, a volunteer. It's yeah. a diphthong, so you know, and yeah, yeah, and yeah. get them to actually mind being a W and stuff like that. And, so that's always the way your brain you know, works. Yeah, you know, like, it's just. Because yeah. I watched a bunch of the uh, yeah. uh, Armando Nucci show. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Because it seems to me that you are dug into a British tradition of 
of comedy in terms of that, in terms of presentation, in terms of... Oh, sketch. I'm sure. I think it's that kind of sound sensible but say stupid things while sounds well, sensible. Well, it's like a, a type yeah. of it's absurdism, right? Yeah. And, and I'm yeah. not like, you know, I like the pythons enough. Yeah. Yeah. But but like I was getting genuine laughs and 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 apparently okay. yeah Good. <laughs> it was great. Uh, I think primarily because of what we were talking about before is that so much of it is is planted in a reality yeah. that that yeah. is accessible. Yeah. And it's not like historic no, riffs no. Or, or just repetition. Just play it for real. It's like yeah. what I was saying with science fiction, you just take one thing and just cr- home right. for the home for middle aged men. So right. you just <laughs> Exactly. So <laughs> so you, you know. so you do but 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 going back to early stuff yeah. in, in stand-up presentation, you were able yeah. to do that by creating a character who yeah. is a stand-up who, yeah. who does these peculiar things. Yes. And that was yes. sort of the beginning of the evolution. That's right. Yes. yes. And you were writing sketch in college? Yes. With yeah. people that we know or no? Uh, no. I mean, I, I, I performed a lot with David Schneider, who I've done stuff with on um, – the Manajuchi shows and we wrote Death of Stalin together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, so, oh, so, so, so yeah, time. yeah, a long time. And I knew Rebecca Front. Yeah. Uh, she had a comedy kind of double act yeah. at, at um, college. In which university. college was this? So this was at Oxford. She was at, at um, I don't know which college she was you at. You were at Oxford? Oxford? I was at University College Oxford, yes. And But did you, yeah. did you was that graduate school or undergrad? Undergrad. Well, I, well, I stayed for six years. So I did undergraduate. Yeah. And then I stayed on to do a PhD in, in Paradise Lost by John Milton. You did? I did. Did you yes. finish it? I didn't it? finish it at all, no. Because I <laughs> I spent all my time doing comedy. <laughs> and then there came a point I I there came a point when I realized that the opening line of Paradise Lost of Man's First Disobedience and the Fruit of That Forbidden yeah. Tree has the same rhythm scheme to the theme tune to the Flintstones of man's first disobedience and the fruit of that forbidden tree. And that's the point where I thought, do you know what? I think I'm more the comedy type than the academic. Just because of that thought, of, of realizing yeah, Yes. Yeah. That was the kind of the but Damascene it, moment when I thought, Interesting. Okay. Because yeah. you could have wrote a thesis that begun that way. I could have, yes. And you could have taken, you could have uh, interpreted Paradise Lost as, as a comedy that no one really understood. Yes. There was one article I remember talking about humor in Paradise Lost, and there isn't much of it. Right. But And they called it Jehovialism. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, when you commit to the life of being an academic, yeah, it's a it's weird very, life. It's very it's insulated. Life. I you know, know it, I know. So when I think it was because I didn't really know what I wanted to do, of course, and always thought, but doing comedy is not a real thing, is it? That's a sort of. It wasn't a real thing yet. That's a whim, isn't it? That's a kind of. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Be what, great if it happened, right? Well, I remember when you, you, you you'd see it on TV or you'd hear it yeah. on the radio, and you're like, you know, how does that happen? Yeah. But there yeah. is a moment where you realize, like, oh, there there is a path. There is, yeah. And you figured yeah. that out. Well, by just by coincidence, in that I, as I was thinking, I really ought to move on and do comedy properly. Radio Scotland yeah. was looking for some fresh young talent to present a music show. Okay. Uh, I'm the most uncool, fresh and young person ever. But anyway, but they were also looking for comedy. And I sent them some of my stuff yeah. and they liked it. And I went up and chatted and whatever. And I got you went back home, back home. And then I saw I was presenting this music show on Radio Scotland. What oh, years was this? this what, was, what bands were these? Where, who, who this, were these? Oh, 
Do you remember who you were presenting? Dick and Blue and whatever, you know. So late 80s. Okay. I was living at my Uh mum's because actually the BBC was literally down the road from my mum. So made sense. Yeah. But writing comedy for the radio and actually being allowed to work with the sports journalists and the news journalists to get them to do parodies of stuff, to do all that, play around with sound effects. So you were sort of like, hey, buddy. Exactly. So using the studio and the facilities to direct people. So it was a real training ground in doing full on. And you were were the only one. So it was me, yeah. But I would I would rope people in. No, but I mean, you but didn't I was, have a, a, another cons- no. comedic conceptualizer. No, no, yeah, yeah. no. So I was doing, and and that I did that. You know, I had to do about five or six quite well produced bits yeah. of comedy every, once a week for about eight months. So it was just an amazing. So you got that opportunity. Drive. They found a window for it. How long were they? Were they within the music show? Is that when you? Were yes. Oh, so they okay. would drop in, and, the, and you, you know. pitch that, and they're like, "Okay, let's yeah, give it a yeah. try." But I would also be like presenting the show with sure. a co-presenter, Seriously. and that was uh, Deacon Blow with uh, Steely Dan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> was that uh, was that the name of a band, Deacon Blue? Deacon Blue, yeah. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, because that's a that's a Steely Dan song. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's how it starts. Uh, that's how it started, and then I applied to be a, a comedy producer for radio down at the BBC in London. Okay, and then... And I got that gig. So there I was now making the programs that I grew up kind of listening to. Really? So who who were the people that were working down there when you first started? Well... uh, Was that when you were working with Stuart Lee? No. Yeah, Stuart and Richard I knew uh, at Universal because they were performing together as a separate team at at Universal. But I got them to write for some of the shows I was making uh, for Radio 4. Oh, yeah, Richard... Uh, <laughs> Richard Herring and Stuart Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he does a podcast. I don't I don't know yeah. him, but I, you know, yeah. I interviewed Stuart many yes. years ago. Yeah. It was sort of life-changing. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, his his struggle with audiences and then yeah. you know to the point where you know he quit yeah for a then, while yeah right and then but now know, he's become this like elder statesman well of, yeah but his like the thing that got me was that like he realized you know instead of getting angry at audiences yeah which was sort of that's the comics way yeah you know uh, you, you know fuck them or fuck yeah. you especially yeah. if you're doing stuff that is difficult for them yeah is that like he shifted into an empathetic position where he realized like, you know, I'm sorry this was not the night you planned. You know, like, uh, like, <laughs> but, but that's his sort of character that he's developed. Yeah. The, the Stuart Lee character yeah, right. that he's developed. But I mean, but I think it was honest and, and enabled <laughs> yeah. him to come back. Is yeah. to, instead of getting angry at them, yeah. you know, like, yeah, I, you, you really didn't know what you were getting into. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I think that's a good yeah, way so, to Yeah, so Richard and Stuart wrote yeah. an awful lot. And, um, and then I... I I put together the show on the hour, which was like a fake news show with Steve Coogan and Chris That's Morris. That's where you started, first started working with Coogan? That's right. Yeah, and we came up with Alan Partridge to do the sports. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah. And the idea was it sounded like a news program, slightly BBC, is slightly commercial. Radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely straight. Chris Morris being very, very straight yeah, yeah, and authentic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But us just talking nonsense all the way. So it was just, <laughs> really, it was a sketch, broken comedy show, but it, yeah, was, yeah, it yeah. had a guise of being... And actually... Doing jokes about radio styles. Yeah, yeah. Because I figured we all, you know, we're, we were that generation who... Grew up with it. Who grew up with it, who knew how, you know, idents worked and, and... Why do you think that, like, do you think it was because there wasn't a lot on television when you were growing up? Or, like, because um, it seems crazy that a whole generation of fairly sophisticated, creative young people were, were locked into the radio. Yeah, I mean... I, well, it might be, I think, at the time, the only two types of comedy we had were yeah. either the, the sitcom 
or yeah. or the sketch show, and that that was it. You couldn't do anything else, which is why something like Hitchhiker's Guide was so important because it was saying, no, you could do a narrative sure. that is sort of a sketch, but what, it's not really. It's was a there story. American TV coming in? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, but very limited. It, it yeah. was coming through through the filter of the BBC, right, and, right, and right. The commercial. So there's know, only so. like three or four states, exactly. So we we're getting you know mash, right, and um, it's interesting. So it was actually uh, you know, the, the radio Rhoda and Rhoda, sure. you know, Mary Tyler Moore show yeah. and stuff like that. You know? So. It, the radio was almost like punk rock in a way. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, huh. yeah. Well, that no, makes sense. Yeah, which is why you know Monty Python was such a kind of bizarrely disruptive thing when it came on because it just didn't follow any of the rules. Do you remember seeing it for the first time? I don't. I remember watching it, but I must have been about. I, I remember still being at prime, so I must have been about eleven or twelve. Yeah, and thinking. I think I get this, but I'm not quite sure. It was only when I was actually became a student and I went back and listened to it. I thought, God, this is great. <laughs> you was, oh, so you listened to it or you didn't watch it? I'm oh, sorry, watched watch it. it. But, oh, yeah. you know, watch Did they it do on, radio you know. first? No, they didn't. No, no, no. But they themselves were writing teams on various radio yeah, shows. Right. Yeah, who yeah, then yeah. Came I, yeah I think I've talked to But I remember my son when he was about 14 coming up to me and going, Dad. Yeah. I've been on YouTube. You've got to watch. It's a gr- they'll, you'll love this. It's a group on YouTube. They're called Monty Python's Flight. And I just thought, oh, that's great. He's sort of discovered them by himself yeah. and realized they're really good without anyone telling him. But he didn't make know. a connection. He didn't make the connection. Them, or, or, might... or that it was from a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that's all he knew. <laughs> you know. yeah, I, I, and that's a great thing about stuff on you, you, there's no sense of the era it's from. That's there's no context. You know, there's no context. Yeah, it's the same yeah. with music as sure. well. Yeah, it's, which is it's, why people are suddenly you know. It's bizarre. I don't know if it's good, <laughs> but but it is true yeah, yeah. that you know there that there's a movement towards not having any context for anything. No, like I think I wrote a bit once about how eventually uh, you know you're going to hear people say things like, uh, "Wait, Hitler was the guy with the mustache, right?" <laughs> so. The, you know, yeah, yeah. That's that's the power. Oh, was that Stalin? There was Stalin? two guys with the mustache. One had a there? bigger mustache. Yes, that's right. That was the Russian guy. The Russian guy. Yeah, Hitler was the small mustache. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Right. yeah. But I don't. You know, do people have a conception of what twenty twenties music is? Yeah. Is there a style to? Is that we recognize it in years to come as that soul twenty twenty? That usually 2020s. takes a few years. Yeah, and I'm way out of the loop. Yeah. I looked at I looked at a roster for a music festival, and I like I don't know. There was fifty fucking accents, and I don't know just, any of them. It's just words. Any now. of them. <laughs> it's like I, I guess that's the natural order of things. Yeah. though. I can't keep up. No. So all right, so you do the radio, and it, yeah. it was the it was the dynamic with you and Coogan and, and and Chris Morris and 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 you know all that team really to, that and, kind of got you into and then it became they became TV shows. So we did on the hour and uh, uh, knowing me, knowing you with Alan Partridge on the radio. Now Alan then, Partridge is sort yeah. of this; it's an icon. Yeah, here right. a, like of of a time, right? Still around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he still, <laughs> he still Coogan still does Partridge yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 What is it that resonates with the people? I think everyone recognizes someone like him. Right. Like their dad's generation. Yeah, exactly. No yes. one will say it's me. Right. They'll say it's that guy. But the younger people are like my uncle yeah. or my father yeah, yeah, had yeah. a friend so, like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and and we've always kind of done Partridge every four or five years rather than every year. Yeah. So it's had this, and it, so therefore every time you revisit him, yeah. it's a new format. You know, he, yeah. he's kind of tried to understand where the media's going and is then <laughs> so, so now he's doing podcasts and, sure so you can whatever, be like it's know. a it's a it, he's a proxy for people our age yes and yes. so that you can kind of 
put your own sort of thoughts yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. So he starts that. off as a radio thing and then a, a local. Well, Herring thing. actually has a pretty popular podcast, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. From live from Leicester Square Theatre. I've never met that guy. Oh, and, you, know, right. you and, should do. You should go on his show. You didn't ask one. me. All so, right. I mean, I well, haven't asked him, but because yeah. like a lot of times, because I feel out of the loop with British comedy, and and the more I talk to people uh-huh. like you, and I yeah. can learn the history of it, I still missed it. It's not part yeah. of my yeah. DNA. Yeah, you know. So like, I sometimes I feel like it wouldn't be respectful. I, but I similarly, I you know have to stand ups now. So yeah, that I wouldn't know because it's sure. just that thing of you can't keep up. You know, the, lo- the older you get, well, also the more you like, have to keep up with. Well, and, what uh, determines it, though? You know, what yeah. determines it? I mean, you know, they have to, like, the entire system that, uh, is kind of been disrupted in that hmm. there are people that have can have tremendous success that absolutely yeah. nobody knows. Yes. And and it's just the way it works. The business is not what it used to be. You know, yeah. as you see these late night shows disappear and <laughs> no one gives a shit. You don't even know how anybody knows people. Yeah. But, like, when we were coming up, it was like, well, that guy's, you know, selling out an arena. And the was a period i think when stand-ups would then get their tv projects right and it was a smaller media universe yeah. when there was three channels everyone exactly. was sort of on the same page and then when when you know when it sort of exploded when the stand-up scene exploded as a result you know almost you could predict not all of them were going to get tv shows right because sure. it just doesn't work that yeah way. so then the stand-up world was full of really bitter stand-ups yeah oh yeah doing shows around. about how they never got their tv show sure you know and well now yeah. they can just do it on their instagram they well, can that, talk yes. directly and exactly. just say like i'm fucked you know, like, <laughs> still fucked <laughs> hey guys yeah hi <laughs> today i'm i'm just going to open some lego and talk through <laughs> as i open it up i thought that's what i did today. yeah exactly I yeah mean, it works for all those young fucks. yeah yeah uh, those fuckers <laughs> why isn't this going viral right. help me so yeah. if you like it don't forget to give me a review <laughs> i'll do a cameo <laughs> you want me to say happy birthday to your uncle and but now I, here's a bit i have to read out we're sponsored by right 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 yeah squarespace An- anti-nappy rash okay. <laughs> yeah. i think was it the there's that political thing um the podcast show about american politics with um uh god was it God's uh, yeah the the, the ex Obama people who do a podcast oh yeah 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 pod pod podcast America pod bless America or pod, pod bless America pod, like that, yeah. pod across America well, I mean, so, so yeah. I, they might not do it no but I do no they do it's to popular quite yeah. intently yeah. going yeah. and the thing about the Democrats is they've got to but first of all um, are you old and maybe a bit worried about um, urinating sure, uh, sure, and not being yeah. able to hold a urine with, yeah. the, with these nappies they're very discreet you know yeah, do yeah. a whole thing sure. about discreet men nappies sure. yeah, well they, for a uh, minute and yeah. then going but back to the midterms yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. you think what happened there yeah. well you gotta <laughs> you sort of gotta pick and choose your sponsors yes you have a choice yes I'm, I'm, sa- I'm sorry they made that choice <laughs> you know we I, I've never done yes. nappies I've, I've yeah. not done you know I've, I've done a couple nah, nothing that embarrassing no no, I mean, yeah. but you know, I do ads. Yes, you've got to, but you've got to feel it. Sure, you? sure. We I, we try not to. Yeah, you, no. you know, you don't want to. I I've actually turned down ads because yeah. I'm like, you know, my my this is not for my audience. They're not <laughs> they're not going to buy into this. I don't want to do it. Such what products? Well, there was one called the Mangrate, which was you know not as you know uh, kind of 
uh, weird as uh, not weird, but they, it wasn't you know, medical. It was this thing you put on a grill to cook steaks. Oh, so right. it was okay. A, so it's sort of a bro yeah, meathead yeah, yeah. item. Yeah. And yeah. I, and when they were like, they really wanted us to do it. And I'm like, this is not Mike people. No, they're not. They're not the meat. No, you know, cigar people. Yeah. And uh, they were sort of like, no, it's going to be great. And we did one ad, and they were like, it didn't work. And we we're like, I know. Just, 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 we'll cancel the rest of the ads. You know, don't worry about it. Yeah. But, you know, you got to know your audience. So once you start doing TV, because, like, you know, in, in talking about American TV, it seems that, you know, your influence and Gervais's influence on American TV has been profound. And I don't even know that people really realize it. Oh, between, right. I, I didn't realize that. <laughs> oh, for sure. Between Veep, you know, Veep mm. is singular. Right. You know, okay. and, and you know, The Office is singular. Mm. And these are, you know, conceptually, you know, from British minds, you know. And it does it does have an effect. I mean, there's always something that, you know, almost like the Larry Sanders show. That, oh, that I sort love of, the Larry Sanders Yeah. Show. Sort of it dictates yeah. a, a high bar and, yeah. and then people spend, you know, a decade trying yeah. to replicate it somehow. When I was pitching Veep, I said, it's like the Larry Sanders show, but sure. in Washington. Yeah. That's what but, I said. But, because <laughs> but you also did that, you know, the, the, the movie that, yeah. which was American, which kind of was the, the foundation it, it of it, Brit right? Yes, that's right. It was it was Brits being used by the Americans to support a war that in the end was stupid. Right. Um, uh, and as a result of that, HBO said, look, we've been trying to do a Washington show for a while. Yeah. Do you want to have a go at it? And um, you were like, that's, thought, oh, so it was thought, sort of their yes, idea? Yes. And, and again, you know, I said, well, HBO, I yeah. loved, and I said, you know, I, Larry Sanders' show for me is like, you know, it, it, again, it, yes, it was a sitcom, except it wasn't. Right. It was about, you know, unlikable people swearing, yeah. um, naturalism, What's the show, authenticity. What's the show within a show, which is the show within a, a show. thing you keep getting yeah. into, which uh, which happens. It's about the, the front and the back, isn't it? The space show. Like, yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. it's a little different with the, yeah. because, you know, you have a fictionalization going on mm -hmm. on Earth that becomes yeah. more interesting than the actual event. Yeah. Whereas in Larry Sanders, it was like the behind the yes, scenes exactly. was more interesting. Yeah. Wow. So there's an evolution yeah. there. But I just thought that was, and what they managed to put in oh, yeah. 20, 30 minutes. Yes, yeah, great. It was fantastic. Yeah. Wait, so was Veep 30? 30 minutes? Yes. Yes. Wow. It's 28, like, 28, 28 minutes and 30 seconds. Is so the when, average. Yeah. <laughs> so when you put it together, yeah. Um, what was in, in casting? I mean, you know, Julia Louis Dreyfus is a genius. She's fantastic, amazing, the best. And and when you work with her, you realize she she would if we were looking for a physical moment. Yeah, she'd say, "Well, we could do. There are three ways we could go with this." And she yeah. would do each one well, of the three ways. Yeah, each one of them hilarious. Yeah, and you just thought, "There's someone with like a it's, a kind of working knowledge of that that heritage she's had from astounding onwards." Oh, I, but you know. there's such a natural gift and control. Yeah, over her comedic instrument, and it's, yes. it's all body. It's total. And, uh, yeah, every cell and how she's thought about every moment, every scene. How Selena's going to do it? Yeah, yeah, and, you know. It's and and just you know by about the fourth season, you're thinking, surely there can't be anything new. Yeah, to see from her, then she will do this amazing. You know, you think, my God, it just keeps going. So funny, you know. Yeah. So, so we wrote uh, Veep as we wrote it as a female vice president uh, as the pilot script without having anyone in our head. Yeah. And I think Julia had just done the the Seinfeld the reunion. Oh, she had a sitcom on for a while. Yeah, but with oh, yeah. HBO, she'd just done oh, the Seinfeld okay. reunion. Yeah. 
um, Curb yeah. season. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was. So in the HBO there. was saying, try her out. Try, try, and I thought, oh, but of course, <laughs> right. Uh, and and I met her in in LA. We were down to meet for like tea at yeah. three o'clock, right? Thinking it'll be forty five minutes. Yeah, it'll be very polite. Yeah, just to get to know. We, we, and it was just her. I just thought there'd be a whole group of people, as it were, arriving with. It was just her. And honestly, we sat and made each other laugh for about four hours. She's great. And 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 I had already mapped out where it could go and another yeah. episode here and whatever. And, you know, That's so great. we just knew, well, this is it, isn't it? Yeah. This is it. Yeah. And, yeah. and the broader casting, I yeah. mean, everybody is good. Yeah, I worked with Dan. Back to all. Oh right, yes. Uh, yes. On a on a movie, he's great. Yes, and all of Sam Richardson, I talked to. Yes, and, Sam uh, is amazing. Is great. Yeah, but you know, like somebody like Hugh Laurie. Sam is the only one who his character, Rich Split, is the only one who never swears. Yeah, he's it's a good character. <laughs> he's he's a very like, he's so well meaning, you know? subtle sense of uh, <laughs> yeah. of of comedy. He's great. Yeah, yeah he's but great. but Hugh, you is oh, that, Hugh. you yes. go back with him? Not really. I mean, we'd always. You know, I I loved Fry and Laurie as a as a as a show to watch. It was always hilarious, and 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 you know, I think he was aware of me and and liked the shows that I done. He's a little older than us, right? Uh, a little bit, but not not much. Not, not much. Huh. Um, but he was definitely I'm, somebody you were familiar with. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. And I I had been told he was a fan of Veep. Uh huh. Um, he'd finished House. Yeah. I thought. Well, I think he's great. So yeah. we just chatted, and, and that came it. together. Yeah, and you how you did how many seasons went with them? Uh, four. I did four. There was seven seasons all, yeah. so I left after season four. You just split. Yeah, I was just tired. <laughs> <laughs> I was sort of, and I also my last episode was the Electoral College tie. Okay, and I thought that's my ending, really, because that's what I have. Well, to you know say, what's, what's interesting know. about that is is it like I guess it's a mystery you know, yeah. that for for some people, but like in terms of. British television? Yeah. You were done. I was done. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. You do four seasons. Once you've done good. 12 episodes of something in the UK, you're kind of done. But so by season four, I was like, this is unheard of. I've never done so many episodes of a show before. Well, that's interesting um, in that, you know, that I, I, what do you think that, I mean, because in, in America, mm. as you know now, yeah. they'll keep something going as, Ab- as absolutely Until forever. everyone is, yeah, until Gone. it's dead yeah, on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but there's something about maintaining if something is good yeah. in the UK it sort of like becomes almost mythically good because you leave a, on a high that's you're right. always engineer to leave Three on a to high four seasons. yeah 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 and you know that going and i in. thought i i'd left at the right time because we'd we'd had the electoral tie it was the show that got won the emmy for the first time for best comedy i thought this is a good point for me to go actually right. um and, and then, i was i was just so jet lagged and oh just i couldn't what, how yeah. did you feel like in terms of the to the two different styles of of business i imagine like once y- here mm. you know with the television business that you are a a, a known quantity a senior uh-huh. uh, uh producer in a yeah. way uh with a certain amount of pull uh and, but also like you know with with solid relations it just seems like a smaller business here in terms of of how business is done uh, yeah in, in but you know that business in the states in the states yes i do remember when i said to hbo uh, the, the guy's no longer there yeah. but i got on very well but i do remember when i said to him i don't want to do any more v yeah. <laughs> he actually just made a noise he just went oh. <laughs> 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 so i suppose like you say yeah. it's not it's not the done thing it's like you're meant to just carry on until yeah. you've run out <laughs> right um 
But I said, look, you know, you can carry on. We'll get someone else in. Were you happy with the the remaining season? Yeah, it was great. And I just thought, I said to Dave Mandel, because he said, do you want to stay on as a consultant? I said, no, because you've got to know it's your show. And I don't want to be like, you know, the other. The new showrunner, you mean? Yeah. 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 Like, I don't want to be like, it's the Pope next door, the yeah. one who resigned, but right. he's still in the Vatican. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, you can't. And, yeah, and yeah. also, I want to get involved fully if, if that happens. And sure. I can't do that. Yeah. So just get on with it. So is that um, when you went yeah. off and did the Stalin movie? So I did Death of Stalin. And then That's did, a very funny movie. Oh, See, thank like, you. And I don't... You know, to, the, <laughs> the idea to, to find comedy in this sort of group revolving around this corpse... <laughs> It would seem that it was... But it's part of, like, old Russian literature is like that, isn't it? It's very, you know, Gogol, and it's all big satirical. It's that kind of... But it's like a really dark, miserable... Not miserable, but it's a kind of death humour. It's a kind of laughing at, sure. at the dark, Sure, really. Yeah. And a lot of people said to me when I was researching, it was out in Moscow and speaking to people who'd, you know, grown up under Stalin. Yeah. And they said, you know, there were joke books about Stalin that people had. And you could be killed if you told one of those jokes. Right. And yet people felt it was the only way you could process what was going on. But I think that's interesting. By, that's, so that's you know, a real thing. By telling a joke about it. Yeah, because I've been doing a joke on stage about, you know, about people who are who do jokes, uh, you know, coming from a dark place. Yeah. Because yeah. There, you have to. It's a, there's yeah. a tremendous relief in it. Yes. To contextualize things hum- yes. humorously. And I just say out loud, I said, I know there must have been like hilarious people in Auschwitz. Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's all Jews. Yeah. So you got to, <laughs> right? And then like, you know, you got to have one guy that's like, you ever see Murray do the Nazis? It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, he nails it. So, but there's also that thing of, um, it, it's, it's sort of, it means you have some life left if you're making a joke about something. Do you know what I mean? It's, your your it's, mind it's, hasn't been controlled. Th- that's right. And also, like, it is, it, 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 it's not, it's almost the a companion, mm. but but not, to hope. It's not hope. Yeah. yeah. But but it's relief. Yes. And and it, it's enough to get you through a minute or two. Yeah. And, and and if you say something and lots of people laugh, yeah. that's a kind of, like... Human spirit, thing. human spirit, but also there's a spontaneity there that that you know the guards with the guns haven't been able to to quash. Right, that's you know? right. Yeah, I think that's why dictators don't like artists and poets or and to be made fun of because they just don't like that. They don't like being in control of the result of of, they, of not being in control. Of the result, yeah, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's true. I, I think that uh, it's interesting because in hopeless situations, mm-hmm. that you know that humor replaces hope. Yeah, as as some sort of relief and also some sort of you know radical yeah fuck you. So the politicians to be wary of are the ones who dislike no having jokes about themselves. So like you know like Trump sure. every week after Saturday Night Live, another lame show, right? Really lame. It's just because he doesn't like people making jokes about him. But that's a that's a terrible trait to have in a politician. Well, that's, you know? Right, but that's how you know fascism. Mm. You know the, the all the only jokes become at the expense of the oppressed. Yeah. And until they're gone, and then yes. there's just no humor, just a lot of uh, yelling and sports. <laughs> it's, it's just all heckles from yeah. that on. I, yeah. It's it's scary. So, do you feel like do you? That's a good way of um, summarizing fascism: yelling and sports. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fundamentally what it is, isn't it? It, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a sort of. I don't know. There's a homoeroticism about fascism. Oh, isn't dude, there? it's just yeah. all that. Take yeah. your shirt off and show us your muscles. Uh, totally, I you can't. Know? You know, <laughs> even uh, uh, what's his name, uh, 
uh, was it Wilhelm or uh, uh, was it Reich, the the therapist, the uh, right. renegade therapist, just talked about how it was just this you know totally based on homoerotic repressed right. clusterfuck <laughs> yes. of men, yeah. you know, who get yeah. worked up about you know yeah. fascism, yeah. But I uh, but do, but do you so you see what you do as satire? Well, I do, except you know, is Alan Partridge satire? Was that? You know, was, I think was, yeah, but it's not. Well, I mean, I think it's easy to yeah, Amanda. You know, she shows. Was that sass? I don't know. I don't know if I that do, was I, exactly. So I, but I, I, Alan Partridge is because yeah. it, it is sort of a uh, a kind of slightly amplified version yeah, of a time. Right. But I kind of think I just think what's the next funny thing I want to make. Well, but you were clear though yeah. in that. But you know, your understanding yeah. of what the uh, imperative of of the Stalin movie or where it comes from. Yes. That the power of humor in the face of uh, yes. authoritarianism. Yes. And it was uh, made at a time when, I mean, it was before, we shot it before Trump was even nominated. Yeah. But it was made at a time when you had like Berlusconi and Putin, Erdogan in Turkey. No sense you, of humor. You had Any the, of them. Well, but also these authoritarian people elected, but then using yeah. the rule, changing the rules yeah. to make it harder to get yeah. them out Right. You know. Yeah. So, and I thought there's a whiff of 1920s, 1930s again here sure. going on. Yeah. So I wanted to do something about a dictator. Yeah. Going into it thinking maybe a fictional dictator today. And then the story, the, the book, it was based on a graphic novel, The Death of Stalin. It, they sent it to me. And I yeah. thought, well, there's the story. Yeah. I mean, I don't need to invent this. There's yeah. the story. But it, it's sort of interesting yeah. that with with Veep too to to sort of reveal in a, in, in a yeah. genuine way the yeah. the, the the sort of uh, uh, farce yes. of American politics. Yes, uh, it, it's powerful. But I like the you know I like the idea of um, continuing to put up the put it up the fascist ass. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, because I think that's going to be the challenge now because things yes. have become so tribalized. Yeah, like how do you do that? Because, like, you know, and what effect does it have if people are living in different media bubbles? Yes. Like, if you're sitting here satirizing something or, yeah. or saying fuck you to the to the powers that be, yet all the people that follow them don't even know you're on television. Don't, exactly. I know. You know, what happened? And if they heard anything you did, they would just say, well, that's that's intolerable. You shouldn't be saying things like that. Yeah, who's watching? Yeah. They would say, who's watching that? No one cares. Yeah. You know, yeah. but yeah. the Saturday Night Live thing, I mean, he said it again last week. Oh, did he? Because he, he came up on Saturday With Night the, Live. Well, the January 6th thing. He said it yeah. was going to be canceled, I think, this week. Yeah. yeah. But, but see, the thing is, is that people hear that. And they don't have any context of what's going on in yeah. the other world. Yeah. So, you know, for weeks they'll think like, was it canceled? Did it get canceled? Without even checking. Yeah. I don't know. What, what do, do we do? I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. What are you working <laughs> on now? Just the space one? Uh, no, I've just finished that. I, I'm doing, um, I'm writing, co-writing a script for a film set in the world of social media. Oh, good. That'll do it. I know. You'll, that'll fix it. Because just looking at where power looks now, it's like these guys who, from the age of 22, yeah. have been multimillionaires. Yeah. Starting off thinking, well, starting off thinking, I just want to set up a website that rates how hot college girls are. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Sort of work back, you know. Re reverse the narrative and say that actually I set up a network so that we can all communicate better. Yeah. At the age of 25, yeah. our billionaires owning all our data. And our thoughts. Yeah. Uh, you know, having and, a tremendous sway on the brains of the, uh, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. And they've convinced themselves that because they are good people, therefore there can't be anything wrong with what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. They can't. Well, that's that thing. Yeah. They don't see how it's gotten away from them necessarily. No. And no. they don't ha- really have the moral infrastructure personally. No, they don't. To, yeah. You know, within five years, they've had to become like experts in ethics and yeah. in democracy. But then there's people in, like Peter Thiel who yeah. are full fascists. Yeah. And just, <laughs> just want to kind of, you know, change it all. Yeah. You know, being a, who the fuck are these people that want to like, you know, these people that are buying bunkers in New Zealand? I mean, who wants to live in whatever world that <laughs> the only other people left alive are the head of social neighbors. media organizations yeah. <laughs> and Jeff in. Bezos? Yeah, yeah. What's, uh, what's that community yeah. going to be you've like? Got, you've got a neighbor on the other <laughs> island who owns that island. Do you think they ever will ever get together to, to like plan the Christmas fair and the, there's only going to be a few of them in the school just, show and, and stuff and in weird mutants in tribal it's, situations. There's another movie. Well, look, yeah, <laughs> it was great talking to you. There we go. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. We may have another prime minister by the time this goes out. Uh, I, I would think you would. Yeah. I'm not sure when. We're, when does the new season start? Oh, it's just started. So we've oh, done, so we've done be, two episodes already. Oh, it's so. going to be pretty soon. So maybe uh, maybe we'll still be uh, waiting on a new prime minister. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Good talking to you. Yeah. Okay. Oh, here's the prime minister. No. <laughs> All right, that was Armando Anucci. What a great guy. What a smart guy. What a what a funny guy. Avenue 5 airs Monday nights on HBO and then streaming on demand on HBO Max. Uh, if you could, please hang out for a second, will you? Would you? Would you? Would you please? Okay. Hey, folks. I'm back for our look back in the archives today. It seems appropriate to highlight the episode with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. This is from episode 700 done in 2016, which was which was during the fifth season of Veep. Um, she is the best, the funniest comedic actress I think this world has ever produced. That's my belief. That is my belief. Listen to this clip. I got an overall deal. Imagine that. No, at Warner Brothers yeah. Television. Okay. And so I developed a script there and that and... This is right after Day by Day, and it was a script for me to star in. Then the script came in, and and they paid me money, Warner Brothers, to do this. The script came in, and it, it was not what I had envisioned, and it didn't seem fixable to me. Right. And so I said, I don't want to do it. I can't do it. And, and I had a window. There was Legally, there was a window in which I could pull out of this thing. Yeah. And then about three days later, or even maybe not, maybe like two days later, these four Seinfeld Chronicles scripts come to me, okay? Mm-hmm. From and from Larry, and I read them. And he I, sent them to you. Larry did. He remembered you and you guys. Were you yes. maintaining a friendship? Or no, just, okay. but he just sent it. Right. And so he sent them to me, and in two of the four scripts, I didn't really. My character didn't really have very much to do. Right. And the other two more so. Yeah. But this was definitely a supporting role, and the other show was like a starring role. Right. Right? But I thought, ooh, this writing is so great. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was able to recognize- It was it all was Larry? I, I mean, I don't know what the writing credit is on that, actually. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, it's definitely- Maybe Larry and Jerry. Larry and Jerry yeah. together. Definitely, but certainly Larry's voice is in, present as yeah. as, as a writer for whom I had known third year at SNL, and it was the same kind of tone. Did you guys have a relationship at SNL? Yes, I mean, you, yes, you, we're friends there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
we bonded over unhappiness. Oh, in yeah. Fact. Really, truly. And so, um, and so I read this, oh my God, this sounds really good. And so anyway, I got this, I went in, I hung out with Jer, blah, 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 blah. And that happened. But let me tell you something, what happened? Warner Brothers threatened to sue me because they thought I had done something illegal or unethical. By just meeting with them? No, they were suspicious of the fact that I pulled out of my deal with them and then so quickly on the heels of that became involved with this gig. And I was terrified. You know, this is just, you know, I was like nothing. I was not, I was just a little person. Yeah. Yeah. And this was a huge studio and they were threatening and they said they wanted their money back. And, uh, and it was a lot of money. I mean, it yeah. was a lot. It was seven. I'm going to tell you right now, yeah. 75 grand. Yeah. And that's a lot of money. Sure. And particularly back then it was yeah. huge. Yeah. And I, but, and I thought, well, but I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do any, I didn't break our contract. I, and I got advice from uh, one of my attorneys who said, you got to just give it back. I'm like, but if I do that, doesn't imply that I've done something. Right. Where's your sense of, you got a sense of justice. Yeah, you? because I didn't do anything right. wrong, right? Yeah. And I called Gary David Goldberg, who's a creator of Family Ties in yeah. Spin City. And he, he's subsequently passed away, but he was a mentor of mine and a very good friend. And I told him this. You knew him from day by day? I or, did. Yeah. Actually, I knew him from before that because I'd done this spinoff of Family Ties. Oh, right, right, right. And I told him that Warner Brothers was threatening to sue and what should I do? And I was so scared and, and I'm being told by lawyers to give the money back. And, and he said, you know what? I don't respond well to bullying. Keep the money. <laughs> and so I took his advice. Right. And I never heard from Warner Brothers. <laughs> Nothing. Is that wild? That it's, was so scary. It's touching in a way. It's touching because I love Gary Goldberg. Yeah, he was Such great. Such a good man. Oh, my God. If you had met him, you would have died. He so that's all they, because they obviously didn't have any legal grounds. They had no legal grounds. And they were just being dicks. They were being dicks. And I called their bluff. What a great thing. Yeah, it was a great thing, actually. It was a good lesson. Uh-huh. You know, I don't respond to bullying. Again, that's from episode 700, which is available for free on all podcast apps. If you want to get the archive episodes without ads, sign up for WTF Plus. Just click on the link in the episode description or go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF Plus. For full Marin subscribers, I posted a spontaneous audio diary during my trip in Dublin last week. And this week we have more producer cuts going up, including stuff that didn't make it into episodes with Jeremy Strong and Adrian Ballou. This week I'm in Oklahoma City at the Tower Theater on Wednesday, November 2nd. Dallas, Texas at the Majestic Theater on Thursday, November 3rd. San Antonio at the Tobin Center for the Performing Arts for two shows on Friday, November 4th. And Houston at the Cullen Theater at Wortham Center on Saturday, November 5th. Then I'm in Long Beach, California at the Carpenter Performing Arts Center on Saturday, November 12th. Eugene, Oregon at the Holt Center for the Performing Arts on Friday, November 18th. And Bend, Oregon at the Tower Theater on Saturday, November 19th. In December, I'm in Asheville, North Carolina at the Orange Peel for two shows on Friday, December 2nd. And then Nashville, Tennessee, I'm at the James K. Polk Center on Saturday, December 3rd. And my HBO special taping is at Town Hall in New York City on Thursday, December 8th. Go to WTFpod.com tour for all dates and ticket info. Ah. Oh.
Okay. Okay. Here's some simple blues. Monkey, LaFonda, Cat Angels Everywhere. 